This is Shauna Lee and welcome to this week's The Soul Frequency Sessions. Real talk about real life and how to raise your energy frequency. There have been so many tears. I think I've cried more in the past like several months than I have in any time in my life I can remember. And a couple of years ago, I talked in our the last sessions episode about some of the health things that I've had and how some of them are related, I feel, to my life, but most of them are related to other lifetimes and other collective things that are moving through us. And they're teaching me. These things are teaching me about my body and about life and about how this energy moves and, and the greater life that we're just coming to understand here on the planet. Um, and it just brings up a lot of emotion. So a couple of years ago, I started having problems with my lungs and it's a really scary feeling to have problems with your lungs. I know a lot of people have been through lung issues, like, um, you know, obviously in 2020 and 2021. And, and I had never had that type of sensation before. I've never had anything with my body that scared me. Like it's a horrible feeling to be scared by your own body or scared, you know, that you're going to be okay. And there's many times I've experienced this, uh, over the past couple of years, but really never before that. And so I always had a very strong body that was, I relied on and never felt like it ever did anything other than show up for me. So I didn't even realize to appreciate it like I do now, but I started feeling this like heaviness in my lungs and it wasn't that I couldn't breathe or it wasn't that I didn't have enough oxygen or anything like that. So it's kind of confusing because like when you have anything going on in your body, you go to the doctor and they would do, you know, scans of my lungs. I've had multiple lung scans of various kinds, CT scans and different things. And they're like, no, your lungs are fine. And I'm like, okay, that's nice. But, you know, I'm having this sensation and I don't know, you know, what it is. And it kind of scares me when it comes on. And so it can be very confusing when we're having manifestations in our body and there, there isn't something that we can immediately point to and say, Oh, this is why this is happening. And here's how to fix it. So for anybody going through that, like I am, I so understand, and I am sending you so much love. And, you know, a lot of times like our body stuff can have us look deeper, like, Oh, is there an emotional component? Is there a mental component? Is this from another lifetime? Like we can start looking in all these different areas. And I don't think that those are the only areas we should look in. We have to also look at our very physical 3d body, but you know, it can send us on a journey. So I'm having like these lung problems and I go to an event and I meet a person and I was sharing with them about these lung problems. And like, they basically were like, oh, well, I can kind of, you know, help you with what this is. And so over a long conversation, this person and I are like going into this and basically like there was an incredible amount of grief that I have been processing, not my grief from this lifetime. And so 
like over the course of this conversation, like I started to look at this much differently. And I started to think back to a time when my son was really, really young and he was probably like two years old and he would wake up occasionally. This was not like every night, but he'd wake up occasionally in the middle of the night and he would be screaming like not even a scream that sounded like him. Like it was just like a guttural, awful, like scream that literally makes you cry when you hear it immediately. Like it was just so intense. And my husband and I would run in there and like, we would take him, you know, out of his bed and we would just hold him and rock him, but you couldn't wake him up. So it was such a weird experience. Like, and we would be like, Jameson, Jameson, wake up, wake up. But he wouldn't wake up. Like he just would be screaming. And like, there was nothing in me that felt like there was something wrong with him. Like in that moment, like you very much, if you witnessed this and my husband and I, you know, cause obviously we would talk about this, like after the fact, like there was nothing in either of us that felt at all. Like somehow we just like knew in our beingness that there was nothing wrong with Jameson, the two-year-old boy, right. In that moment, like there was nothing, it wasn't like a physical pain he was having, but he was just, it was like, he was offloading energy, right. Um, through his physical body. And that is exactly what we came to understand those experiences to be was just literally funneling like almost collective like pain or trauma like through his body so he was not in a conscious state and and you would be unable to wake him up so it's almost like he's out of his body um but funneling this like pain you know what I mean like collective pain through his being and like releasing it right through these screams and these cries and it would go on for what felt like way too long. Um, and we would just hold him and we would just be like, we love you. We love you. Love you. And then he would literally like, it would just, he would go silent and he would be asleep, right? Like he never woke up during those experiences. And, you know, at this time when he was two, I mean, he's 11 now, that was a while ago. He like, I, I just started to like understand, you know, things in a different way through my experiences with being pregnant with him, through having him as I've shared about and like, and that experience. And so when I started to have a conversation, with this person about my lungs, it was basically the same type of thing. And immediately when I related it to Jameson, he was two, I was like, oh, I know. Yeah, I get this. I get what's going on here. And so I started to understand it differently. And what changed is that instead of like resisting it, because when we have something wrong with ourselves or we feel pain, we resist that. I said, okay, the way out of this is to go through this. The way out of it is for me to like feel it all, right? If, if I'm a vessel that this energy needs to move through, right. To release it, then I just need to let the energy move through. So I started doing that more and more. And what was so interesting is like, when I gave myself the space, like to just let the energy move through, then my lungs felt better. 
And it became this thing where it was kind of like a litmus test. Like if the energy was building within me, like I would feel my lungs and then I would have this like really cathartic cry and my lungs would like feel so open and clean and like they wouldn't feel that heaviness and it would just kind of clear. Um, and so there's been a lot of that, like, and this is why I say that, you know, I've definitely had my own personal things I've been through, you know, as we all do, but there's just a lot of like clearing that's going on and a lot of shedding and a lot of loss that people, you know, are experiencing in a myriad of ways. And it's very intense energy. And I think we have to like give space to talk about it. I think we have to give space to feel it. Um, it's now become a thing where I'm having less and less like any like personality thoughts or judgments on it. Like, I just know that I'm not going to let it build, 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 build. I'm just going to feel what I need to feel when it starts to show up. Um, I mean, there are days like recently that I have cried multiple times a day, like for a series of days. And it's interesting because now I'm starting to be able to like sense when it's mine, like something for me, when it's not something for me, and it's just kind of a collective purge. And um, yeah, and I have also, you know, connected with a few other people that are having a similar experience. So I imagine there's many of us, right? Because the the veil is so thin that we're just feeling these things. Um, and we can, you know, if that's part of our life plan, um, be a vessel for helping, you know, to move that energy. There's obviously still a lot of people on the planet who hold in their emotional energy and who don't know how to let that move. And if you know how to let that move, it's just a real gift to let that energy just move through your body and not need to like have it lodged in different parts of your body. And so that's one thing in my experience that has been teaching me and it's kind of intense. Um, but obviously, you know, as we understand things in a different way, we develop a new relationship with them. And on top of this, there's been a lot of like grief, I would say, around me and in my field. There's been a lot of people completing their physical journey who I know at various degrees. And it's taken me back to my grandmother, who I talk about in my book, who, and I had such a special relationship with her my whole life. And she's such a beautiful spirit. She was alive at the beginning of the, of the email world. Um, she passed away in 2005 and her email was pink light. So cute. Um, it was L I T E and she really was a pink light. I mean, she really was just made of love, um, and such an important part of my life. And, and she was the first person that really gave me a profound experience with, uh, death and with crossing over. And one of the things that I was so aware of, um, when she passed is that leading up to her death, like we, you know, caring for somebody is an absolutely unbelievable experience in so many ways. Like it is 
so intense from an emotional standpoint. It's so intense and demanding from a physical standpoint. I mean, anyone that is caregiving with someone like my full love and support and every ounce of energy I can give you, I am just sending to you because it is all encompassing. And when we were care caring for her, she, um, there were several different choices that need to be made, obviously. And at one point I decided to spend quite a bit of time with her and I kind of put my whole other life aside. I left my job every single day. I just told my boss, like, I'm leaving my job. I'm going to go be with my grandma every single day because she was with me my whole young life and was such an important part. And if you fire me, I don't care because I... <laughs> just have to do this. Right. I felt so compelled and he was so supportive. He's like, you can go for two hours in the middle of the day, you know, every day that you need to, I completely understand. So I spent all this time with her and, and like really as she was crossing in between worlds and I got to, you know, be there when my grandfather who had passed 14 years earlier would come through and we would have conversations like my grandmother and he and I, um, and, it was a, such a sacred time. I mean, she gave me so many gifts at that time. And then at the very end, like we, most of my family members got to be with her when she took her last breath. I mean, you know, every person that's leaving leaves in, in the way that they orchestrate and, um, and she orchestrated it so that everyone had the opportunity to be there, um, which I thought was like such a beautiful gift. And people in the room processed it in a lot of different ways. Like, I felt like it was the biggest gift of my life. I felt like I had done everything I hoped to do for her and was with her in all the ways I wanted to be with her and gave everything I wanted to give. And so it felt like a very clean and clear experience, but I was also acutely aware, um, that it wasn't for other family members of mine that were in the room. Like, so I was really like, everything is very heightened, um, you know, birth and death, like being witnessing a birth of a child and the death of somebody is like such a profoundly, there's no veil, right? Like spiritual experience. And she gave us that gift. And in that room in that day, you know, there were definitely things that opened up for me that I wasn't aware of before. And one of them was like, you know, how we show up in life to these experiences and like how clean and clear we are with the completion of somebody's life, right? Or the starting of somebody's life. And, you know, things come up if we aren't. And so she really gave me that gift. Like I gave myself the gift of saying yes and doing the hard thing and saying, I'm not going to worry about my job and I'm not going to worry about these other things. I'm going to make this the priority. But she gave us the experience of allowing us to be with her. And, um, and it was so beautiful. And she literally was wearing, um, the day when we got there, it was probably like 11 AM when she passed sometime around there. And, and she, um, you know, they had thought maybe through the night that she would pass, like, um, but she held on through the night and the hospice nurse really told us, like, I think she's, um, you know, getting close to going. I mean, hospice nurses are just like, they're so amazing. They just are really in that zone of feeling, you know, feeling like the, the progress of somebody's life and transition and, she was wonderful. And my grandma was laying there and she had this nightshirt on with an angel on it. And 
apparently maybe she was wearing it for a day or two or something. And the a woman was like, the hospice nurse was saying to her like, um, okay, Dorothy, she's like, let's sit you up and, you know, we'll put like a new shirt on you and da, 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 da. And, and kind of like talking to her, like we're getting ready to go to the big party and everybody's going to be there. And like, you're going to get to see all these, you know, people, um, family members and people who had passed. And then she, the woman just stopped like suddenly. And she just kind of laid my grandma back down in the bed and she said, um, she's going to make her transition now. And I don't know how she knew or what she felt, you know, when she was going to change her shirt, but it was like, all of a sudden she knew that she was going to transition. And the room was just completely like, like it's like time stopped, right? Like there's no time and people were experiencing this in a multitude of different ways. Like I said, like I became like I could feel everyone in the room and I could feel simultaneously like how they were experiencing this moment. And a couple of my family members even were like outside the room and they like didn't come in when it started. Like they just, how they were going to experience this was to like not be in the room. It was so like, they were just right outside the room, um, which was so interesting to me. And, and she literally like, took a deep breath, like probably a deeper breath than I had heard her take in months. And she lifted her back off the bed and her eyes went wide open and she looked up at the ceiling like she saw God. Like it was the look on her face was like of sheer love and pleasure and joy and happiness but she was not looking at something like she was not looking at the ceiling. Like it was clear, you know, everyone in the room like knew that. And then she just slowly laid back down and she closed her eyes and she took one more breath and then she passed. And it was like, I mean, I was sobbing like so from a place, from another place, right? It was like, I don't even know where I was like crying from. It didn't feel like anything coming out of my body, it felt like bigger than that. You know, it was just so like incredibly emotional. And I sat with her, people went into their different things. Like I had family members that were like very nervous and they were kind of running around the room. I had family members that like, were feeling a really like, like, I don't know, like kind of dark sadness, like, and I was feeling this, like, I was feeling happy for her soul to go, you know, be with her husband and be with her sister and like her best friends and all the people that had gone before her. And I just felt like it was the biggest gift. Like I was just kind of alone in my own experience. And I was like sitting with her and everyone else was kind of like milling around the room. And like some people were hugging and some people were leaving the room. And I just was like, I just want to be in this moment, you know, with her. And it was like, so, so beautiful. I mean, it was like nothing I'd ever experienced. And I had asked her before she passed away, if she would bring me a good guy and like, bring me my person, you know? And it was within like two years of that, I think I met my husband and I always just felt like she had a role in that connection. Um, and so I've had this really profound experience with, um, transitioning. And this year offered me this past year, the 2023 had offered me a couple more like experiences, not that, not all of, not as close as I was with my grandma, but just people that, you know, 
I'd known in my life who have chosen to transition. And, you know, just being able to hold space, like, and set an intention for, you know, that person's, you know, soul to have a beautiful transition. And one of the um, things that happened this year is my half brother uh, passed away. And so he and I were not like super close. We didn't live in the same state um, and we didn't talk all the time, but obviously he's my half brother and it was a big kind of unexpected loss. And for that experience, um, there was a really profound role that I was called to play in it. And this also is like really a story of like understanding that we all have different roles to play in life. And the more we are connected to um, ourselves, we can understand those. So it was literally during the lion's gate that his energy left, you know, during these powerful portals of time, a lot of souls find it really um, easy to kind of transition out. And so basically um, he you know, for years he would, we share the same father. And so for years, like he would call and, you know, I would always kind of hear through my father, like that he had called and they had a great conversation and blah, blah, blah. And it turns out that like, when I look back on the past year, there was those conversations weren't happening. Like my father wasn't saying like, Oh, I talked to, you know, Bob and this is what he said. And, um, but I didn't, I was so busy. Like I didn't totally realize that like looking back on it, I do, but I didn't totally realize that at the time. And, um, and I have a half sister who they, you know, my half brother and half sister are totally from the same parents. And so it just kind of never came up in conversation. And one day I get a phone call one morning, pretty early, um, from my brother, Bob. And I'm like, huh, like, that's weird. Like I saw my phone ringing and I, and we, like I said, we don't talk on the phone. So I was like, something must be going on. So I answered the phone and I was like, Hey, how are you? And he was like, not good. He's like, I'm trying to find my sister and I've lost her number. And I was like, well, that's really weird. Right. Cause like her number would be in his phone and that's his like full blood sister. He's grown up with his whole life. Like how would he have my number and not her number? You know? So immediately I just knew that something was going on and I immediately called my sister and I just said, Hey, like, you know, I talked to him for a while. I said, how are you doing? Like what's going on? Um, I got some information. He told me that he had been diagnosed with cancer and I was gutted and I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, cause he lives by himself. I was like, do you have someone helping you? Like, you know, who, who's around? Like, um, and he just said, well, I have a helper that comes and helps me from time to time, but, um, and I just knew immediately like what my role was at this moment. My role was to make sure that he was surrounded with love and support. Like at this time, I just felt this really like this sensation of like, he's alone. And like I've shared in another episode about my own feeling of loneliness in my life and how, um, awful that has been earlier in my life. And I thought to myself, like of all the times, like he needs to not be alone. And so I got on the phone with my sister and I was like, 
I think you need, I mean, they live like my sister's on the East coast. He's Midwest. My brother is like, I think you need to go there um, immediately. I think you need to see what's going on because I think he needs help and support. And it's so interesting because like, sometimes we're in this other mindset. Like we, we don't even realize like what's happening because we can't even believe that it's happening, right? Like we can't get our head around it. So I basically said, I think you need to drive there, which sounded like probably something very crazy, like to just drop everything, you know, she's doing and drive, you know, halfway across the country. And I just said, no, I, you need to go like, you need to go. And I just kept, she and I kept having conversations and I kept saying, you know, she goes, I'll call him. And I'm like, no, but you need to go there. You need to go there. Um, and so a series of conversations just ensued. And I knew that like, it wasn't me that needed to go there. Like the sacred contract wasn't about me going there. My sacred contract in the situation was about making sure that she went there and her sacred contract in the situation was being with him. And, you know, sometimes in life, like we think things should be a certain way, or we think we should play a certain role. And, you know, I'm always like the first person to like jump in a car or jump on a plane to go do something. But I knew with every fiber in my being that I had a very specific role to play in this. And that role was really to support my sister in supporting my brother. And she and her husband got in their car and she eventually drove out there and she didn't even tell him she was coming because she's like, what if he doesn't want me to be there? I'm like, no, he like needs you to be there. So you just got to go. So she um, went out there and she showed up and he was really, really in need of help. And over the next literally a month period of time from the day that she got there to the day that he passed was literally exactly a month. And over that month period of time, there was so much healing at a soul level that went on. And um, she and I got to really have very powerful conversations. And because I had been through, you know, the process with my grandmother, I was able to be helpful in the stages of the transition. And also because I could connect with him, I could understand like where he was at. You know, there is a a need for, you know, people a lot of times to feel like they need to do everything they possibly can to prolong somebody's life. Um, even if that prolonging somebody's life doesn't at all mean the quality of life. And it really a lot of times has to do with like our fear of letting go or our fear of not doing enough. Um, so it can be a gift sometimes to really be able to tune in and say, like, has this person's soul come to a point where it has chose to transition because nothing we do to try to help the physical body is going to do anything if the soul has already made the choice. And sometimes the hardest thing is to have the loved ones understand that. And so it just felt like the biggest gift to be able to navigate that and to be able to, you know, gracefully decide like how, you know, how to handle those situations there. There's, um, 
you know, when someone's very unwell, like they're always going to offer treatments for all kinds of different things. And those treatments, you know, have like many side effects to them and treatments are amazing. Like when someone is like, you know, sometimes our contract is like, I'm here to like fight a terrible illness and to get to the other side, or I'm here to go through this experience of like fighting for my life. You know, there's lots of soul lessons and all of these things, but sometimes being able to really connect with the person, you know, who is making the ultimate choices like about their human journey can be so helpful. And so there were so many incredible, beautiful conversations that happened. And, you know, at the end of his life, like when people get to the end of their life, a lot of times, like they're usually, um, and their body is really starting to shut down. There's usually something they're waiting for, right? Whether it's to talk to somebody or to hear from somebody. Um, and so sometimes you can ask them, like, what is it, you know, that you need to be complete? And there were basically two phone calls that needed to happen and also one in-person visit um, for my brother. Um, and the really the big one was his cousin who lived close to him coming to you know, visit and have conversations with him and, um, you know, send him so much love and all of that kind of stuff. And so just to see those things happen and like to feel a soul's like just absolute elation at being able to do the, you know, have the experiences it needs to have to complete its journey, his journey. Um, but anybody can in that position, like, it's such a gift to be able to like, make sure those things happen for that person, right. To make sure that they can have those moments of completion. And that was just like such a incredible and beautiful gift and, and synchronicity. I mean, these times where people are transitioning in and out of life, there's just an energy to it. There's just a sacred, beautiful, you know, like no veil energy to these experiences. And the night that, um, that my brother passed, like I was going to go to bed early. I was super, super tired. And for some reason I just didn't like, I had no, I was not, I was not thinking really of anything. I don't, I wasn't like tuned in to him. I wasn't tuned in to my sister. I was like in just another place and I was sitting by my computer and I was like, Oh, I'm going to shut off my phone and just like go to bed. And then something just like made me not do that. And I just kept sitting at my computer and I even thought to myself, like, why am I staying up? Like, I'm so tired. Like I should just go to bed. Like, what am I doing? And, and then my phone rang and it was my sister. And immediately, like when that phone started ringing, I just knew he had transitioned and I picked up the phone and like just sobbed with my sister. And like, she was just obviously, you know, being there and being in that space and being in that sacred moment is just so beautiful um, and so painful, right? All at the same time. And we just sobbed and cried. And, you know, that experience, like, and then the other people that have been, um, you know, transitioning that are somewhere in my world, it's just, it's just taught me that that this life is so intricate and it's so interesting and it's 
so brutal sometimes, but so joyous other times. And like that we really come to experience like all of those things. And we come to play these different roles in people's journeys. And that if we can really as like authentically and powerfully as we can like show up for these sacred times. Um, and sometimes the sacred times are some of the most challenging times that we really become like better for it, you know, from having this experience that my brother allowed me to have and the role that he allowed me to play like in this journey, um, was just truly like the biggest gift and the role that my sister allowed me to play like in this journey was just you know it's a part of the fabric of my being now and I know some of us like here are going through you know these types of experiences um and I just want to say that like I know life gets busy and I know that there are lots of other things that call for our attention or pull us in different directions. But if we are going through something that's very emotional, if we are going through births or deaths or, you know, losses that like, those are the very fabric of like what we will take forward and how we show up to them is so important for our soul path. Um, you know, there's our human journey and the ways that we get praised on our human journey, you know, being successful, being smart, being this, being kind, being loving, like there's all these ways that we get praised or people look up to us, but there's this much deeper like soul journey, right? And sometimes the things that matter most to our personality don't matter at all to our soul. And the things that matter the most to our soul journey, people don't even notice at a personality level. And so there's really just like, you know, two, two very different vibrations playing out. And if we can tap into that soul connection, um, and our soul lessons and our like experiences we came here, you know, to gift to others and to be gifted with. Ooh, it can be extremely, extremely powerful. So yeah, I'm still moving through the lessons of that experience in my life and just, you know, sending so much love to my guides and angels and the perfection of that phone call on that day. Um, and that, you know, my brother and sister were together, like together for that experience. Um, we don't have to be lonely. I'll see you guys back here next week. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. 
then you know where to find me over at IG at The Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love, here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings. Mm -hmm.